We all know what happened on January the 6th in Washington. A violent mob, intent on overturning the 2020 election result, stormed the Capitol. For awareness, be advised, there's probably about 300 uh, Proud Boys. They're marching eastbound towards the United States Capitol. I was there and filmed two or three hundred members of a group called the Proud Boys as they marched towards their target. On the day, the Proud Boys were tight-lipped. This is Ethan Nordeen, one of the leaders of the Proud Boys. Along with US Army veteran Joseph Biggs in the check shirt and Zach Reel on the left in the cap, they've been convicted for leading the Capitol insurrection. Oh, look to your left and look to your right. Also convicted of seditious conspiracy is Proud Boy chairman Enrico Tarrio. He wasn't at the Capitol that day, having been arrested on another charge two days previously. Much of the evidence came from this man, another leader, Charles Donohoe, who pled guilty and cooperated with the authorities. But despite all the evidence shown in court, over a thousand people have now been prosecuted. January the 6th is still very much contested territory in America. Returning to the scene over two years on, almost nothing is agreed by all sides. January the 6th has become emblematic of America's bitter political divide. I think there were a lot of unanswered questions for the public and in terms of the story we're going to tell ourselves about what January 6th meant, still very unsettled. When I remember what happened here on that day, I don't really recall it as a sort of separate event, more as another episode of political violence in what was an extremely politically violent year in American history that I witnessed and reported on. In April of 2020, an armed mob stormed the Michigan State House, among the members of the Wolverine Watchmen militia group. I met them and others outside, armed to the teeth. This is Pete Musico, co-founder of the Wolverine Watchmen. You have to contaminate your government to keep them in check. If not, you look at Japan or China, you look at, all, you look at history. When you take away weapons, government has a chance to run you over. Musico is now serving 12 years in prison for his part in a plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan. So state houses across America were already being targeted well before the 2020 election, and there was detailed intelligence warning that violent disorder was being planned at the US Capitol for January the 6th. So why weren't the authorities ready? They were unprepared, and there's really not good reason for it. There were plenty of people, um, certainly outside the government, researchers who were, you know, monitoring the planning that was going on in extremist social media circles and chat forums. Sometimes there's a lot of talk, but no real mobilization. But here you saw the logistics. By the time I got here on January the 6th with the Proud Boys, it was clear something had gone badly wrong with the police operation. Not only had I not seen any police officers on the march up here, now it was clear the Capitol Hill police force was panicking. As the Proud Boys marched past, police were scrambling to put on their riot gear. Meanwhile, at the Capitol, low barriers and a tiny number of police, just one lone officer on the Senate steps. But when it came to the January 6th committee, Democratic Party-controlled congressional investigation, the lack of police preparation and the clear failure of intelligence was barely mentioned. Why don't the Democrats want to get to the truth? Why don't they want to answer the fundamental question, which is why wasn't there a better security posture on that day? 
The then chief of the Capitol Hill Police, Stephen Sund, says he did make a request for National Guard help three days before, but this was turned down because of, quote, optics. He says the then Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, who'd previously criticised the use of what she called National Guard stormtroopers, didn't want to see them deployed on Capitol Hill. The Republican Party refused to participate in the committee, dismissing it as a political cover-up and hatchet job. It has permanently damaged the House and divided this country. And let's be honest, it is a smokescreen for Democrats to push their radical agenda. The room where the January 6th hearings took place is now renamed after Nancy Pelosi. Decades ago, this was where the House Un-American Activities Committee grilled those accused of communist subversion. The January 6th committee met for the last time in December. What's happened since, of course, is that the Republicans now control the House of Representatives. And that means that they now control this furniture of congressional inquiry. And they get to deploy it with their own political aims in mind. Jim Jordan is now the chair of the House Judiciary Committee. He's formed a new subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. Some on the right feel that other violent protests following the murder of George Floyd were treated differently, more leniently, while the authorities focused exclusively on the right. We expect to hear from Americans who've been targeted by their government. I think there is serious reform needed in institutions like the FBI, um, certainly in some of our intelligence gathering institutions, and the relationship between our large technology and social media platforms and our intelligence gathering services at the domestic level. I fear, though, that there is a, there's a real looking back quality to the Weaponization Commission. It's going to be settling scores rather than fixing problems. It turns out there's quite a bit of video you haven't seen. Having taken control of the House, the new Republican Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, has released 41,000 hours of January the 6th video footage to the Fox News anchor, Tucker Carlson, who's now presenting an alternative narrative. The crowd was enormous. A small percentage of them were hooligans. They committed vandalism. You've seen their pictures again and again. But the overwhelming majority weren't. They were peaceful. They were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists, they were sightseers. We all have eyes and ears, and we saw, we witnessed January 6th, whether you were there or watching on TV. And you can say it was a peaceful protest, but we're not stupid. We can see it for, for ourselves. If the Department of Justice had ignored January 6th, that would have been the real undercutting of the rule of law, because that would have just been seeding um, this kind of lawlessness to those who are engaged into it, in it as something that's okay. And that's, that's what failing democracies do. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson's tonight. Did you watch? On the day that lawyers began their closing arguments in the trial of five of the Proud Boys leaders, Fox News announced that Tucker Carlson was leaving the network. Although there was considerable disquiet about his attempts to reframe the January the 6th narrative, at the moment it's not clear if this was a factor in his departure and if Fox News is going to change the tone of its coverage. More than a thousand people have been tried and convicted for what happened here on January the 6th, now including five of the leaders of the Proud Boys. 
There's now an active criminal investigation into Donald Trump's role that day, which will make it more contentious still. The place where the mob stormed the Capitol is now bristling with barriers and new fences. But the institution itself is perhaps weaker than ever.